You are listening to Life Sci AI, the podcast series. Building on series one, we bring you series two, where we are looking to bring you more innovative and amazing ways that AI is being used in the life science industry across Europe. Enjoy the episode. Welcome back to another episode of LifeSci AI, the podcast series. And in this episode of series two, I was joined by someone I've known for um, quite some time now and know the business for quite some time now as well. It's uh, the new CSO of uh, Here and Me, uh, Michal Tardy. Welcome. Thank you, Nick, for having me. I really appreciate this opportunity. No, it's a pleasure to have you on. And I say new. Um, because it's a um, relatively uh, new appointment, isn't it, um, for, for yourself? So quite big, both personal news and, and news for, for hearing me. Tell us a little bit more about that first. Yeah, sure. So um, well, I actually got appointed uh, like a few months ago, uh, just around uh, finishing my PhD. So I spent uh, three years uh, running my PhD at Hermi. And now this was the right time to get appointed to uh, the new position and uh, run the whole research operations inside the new company, which is growing as uh, as it could grow today. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, I mean, you've been hearing me for a little while, haven't you? Um, uh, like four or five years? Uh, yeah, actually, I joined Hear Me uh, almost at the very beginning. So uh, at at the time it was a very small company, so we had three people there, and uh, I joined as a research engineer. So there is no like uh, chief scientific officer uh, or chief technical officer because mm-hmm. we have only three people, uh, yeah. and uh, the only thing to do is just uh, rush and try to deliver something and provide a product that could be uh, released in. Uh, uh, in the nature, and uh, that's why we uh, kind of spend a lot of time uh, building a product, and yeah. now we're trying to organize ourselves and uh, making it uh, on the next level. Yeah, that's sure. I think definitely the, from what I speak with you and, and Alexander, um, CTO, uh, about taking it to the next level, and we'll hopefully go into that um, in, a, in a little while, but... Um, before we go into you and your journey, it'd be great for everyone to be thinking who or maybe what Hear Me Do and, and, and your role there if they don't know the company. So just, just give us a little bit of an explanation of, of who Hear Me are, what you guys do, um, for everyone who doesn't know who that at the moment. Uh, sure. So um, Hear Me is a French-based company. So we're based in the uh, uh, northwest of France. Uh, it's close to Brittany and it's a uh, uh, very nice place in France <laughs> so it's very uh, nice uh, weather all year round uh, mm. today is very sunny so it's great <laughs> uh, unlike uh, the UK then <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> so and what we do we uh, uh, globally we do medical imaging uh, more specifically uh, we focus on uh, breast cancer today so our purpose is to provide solutions for breast cancer screening and diagnosis, uh, relying on uh, advanced and new technologies such as uh, deep learning, machine learning, and stuff. 
and uh, we're trying to provide uh, help with uh, uh, the best technologies out there uh, to the radiologists who are striving to help people of, uh, being diagnosed. Uh, and uh, since the uh, breast cancer is like one of the most prevalent cancer around, uh, there are a lot of people to be screened, and uh, it's uh, like huge amount of the workload for the radiologist. Uh, our job is uh, try to make their life easier uh, by providing a clinical um, decision support system or computer-aided diagnosis systems uh, integrated seamlessly in their workflow uh, so this is what we're trying to do and uh, today we have almost 20 people uh, working on this uh, in this area yeah yeah so you you were uh, your employee zero zero three <laughs> employee number three and now oh, yeah up, now you're up to 20 um which is great um and your story though is is one and it'd be great to delve into it it's one of taking risks and it's a proper journey to, to where you are sitting right now. So um, you, even though you've finished your PhD and defended it and, and stuff this, this summer, right? Um, it's, it was uh, in like uh, four weeks ago, like uh, I finished in like early October. Yeah, so um, um, just finishing your PhD and then going straight into a C-suite position. Um, it's very similar to Hanan uh, Salazbarov in Nikolab, who was on series one, who did a PhD through Nikolab and then went in to become their CTO. For your story, um, you have a little bit of a, a life before your PhD, right? Um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> cool. So just take us through, I guess, where you started, why software engineering first off, and then we can delve into your story from there. Okay, yeah, so actually, like, my story is not the usual PhD story, uh, because I started as a, an engineer, and uh, I actually uh, dived into the software development even before I started my uh, bachelor degree. So uh, at the last year in my high school, I started to try to develop things, and it's a quite uh quickly excited me and i started to enjoy myself uh writing code it was like very like, old technologies it mm. was uh, a, bit, a bit of software development of the like uh, uh 2005 2006 year uh web technologies which are very obsolete now but nevertheless it excited me so i stayed there um, and uh, I continued to develop myself as a software engineer by yeah. still trying to get an engineering degree, uh, making uh, something meaningful in my life and having a like reasonable degree by the end of five years. Yeah. So I almost like I had this uh, dual life every time trying to develop things on my own and uh, get a degree uh, and uh, uh, like being ready to industry and uh, going into the production. Yeah, so it was like you were upskilling yourself from a very early early stage and it was all, yeah. was it all with like an end goal in mind? Did you have an end goal or, or was it 
um, okay, I need to upskill myself, but I don't quite know what it's for yet. Um, I believe I uh, never had a like specific goal. I didn't know where I would land. I knew that I needed to improve myself every time. And yeah. I knew that I like didn't enjoy myself very much in the university. So I actually did started uh, my university uh, in uh, Russia, in Moscow. Mm-hmm. And after three years, after having my bachelor degree, I understood that it's not enough. So yeah. I moved in France. So I actually ran a double degree, uh, having a double scholarship in France and Russia at the same time. So I had to travel uh, back and forwards, uh, running through the uh, like intermediate and final exams uh, to actually... Uh, get my degree and by the end of two years i actually got two diplomas which is super cool yeah. uh and uh at this actually at this time i didn't develop software a lot because like having two degrees at the same time was quite enough at this point uh but uh, once i actually added uh my scholarship i uh, dived straight forward in a software uh, company uh, which developed uh, medical imaging software. Wow. And at this point, actually, I uh, enjoyed myself developing software. And here where I get the purpose. Uh, I knew that like development software is cool. Um, developing websites is nice. Uh, but at some point, you would like to have a purpose. And medical imaging and uh, clinical environment is something is very cool because uh, as a software engineer or as engineer uh, overall, uh, you want to make uh, an impact on the uh, community, on the environment, and uh, developing something for the medical community uh, makes your work meaningful because mm. uh, you uh, touch uh, the very important topics of public health. Yeah. And uh, and here I knew that I still need to improve myself. I still have plenty of things to do. And uh, now I caught this medical imaging piece in my life, uh, which was great. And uh, like I spent uh, almost you know, six or seven years uh, mm-hmm. in this company, uh, developing software and uh, improving myself in every area. So... Uh, uh, not only like writing code, but also building infrastructures, uh, trying to uh, design new solutions. Uh, I spent two years in the uh, United States as a, a sales engineer. So I met <laughs> people who wanted something from, uh, from a solution. And my job was to uh, design uh, or uh, suggest any uh, changes in the solution to make it fitable to any specific purpose. And mm. uh, at this point, actually, I started to uh, saturate and uh, I understood that I need something more. <laughs> and uh, at, at this moment, it was about 2017, I started to consider uh, running, uh, getting PhD uh, 
So now having almost seven years after my after my scholarship. Yeah. Wow. So you had like seven years then of industry industrial work and upskilling yourself in in that area. But when you were considering your move out of those out of getting a double diploma, a lot of a lot of air miles probably racked up there. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> um, what were you considering to do alongside medical imaging? Like, what are the job offers, if you can remember, did you have? And what made you choose medical imaging? And then um, what, was the, what was like the, and what was maybe the, the thing you thought it was going to be and how different actually was it when you got there? Um, this is a very tough question because um, it's actually happened very uh, smoothly. And um, I knew that I wanted to stay with software. So uh, when I started my double degree, I kind of considered that uh, there are other things to do, uh, like there are mechanic engineers, there are uh, uh, energetics, there are whatever, there are a lot of possibilities as an engineer to develop yourself. Uh, there are urban engineering, uh, transport, automobile engineering, but uh, when I ran through all these years of, from, of two years of uh, getting my degree, I understood that I'm still better in doing software. And this, uh, I enjoyed doing this and I'm still good in it. And I know that there are other people that, who are better in doing other stuff and uh, i'm not as good as they in i don't know automobile design yeah so yeah, yeah. that's why i told myself uh stick to what you like and uh, still stick to what you enjoy uh, doing and um at this point i just needed to had a purpose uh, so mm -hmm. whether it would be uh medical imaging or would it be like game development uh game development never excited me like and even now i'm not looking um in this area very specifically uh i know maybe um, like there are a lot of uh it in uh, urban area and uh providing people with tools in their life mm. uh so this would that could be interesting to to dive into uh, but actually like there are still of still plenty of things in doing in medicine and in things yeah so it might be not imaging but still medical part is very rich in opportunities so i'm not looking elsewhere for now no for sure no, that's, that's awesome um and hopefully you stay in the industry for life <laughs> <laughs> um but Part of what you've done, and you mentioned it slightly there about, you know, moving from Moscow, doing a double degree in France, then you touched upon moving to America. So, like, would you say that you, you've taken risks or would you say, uh, I think you have done, but. <laughs> sure, yes. Uh, actually, like, um, I was never uh, certain about what would happen in like two years in three years uh, uh it was uh the risk mm, of moving from moscow to uh, france is uh, quite significant mm. uh because it's quite two different countries and uh, you never know what would happen <laughs> uh you there are a lot of uh laws that are 
changing and uh, you never know if you could stay or if you enjoy yourself uh yeah. i i ran actually like very comfortable life if i was lazy i i could be uh, staying in moscow working as a software developer uh like writing codes mm. uh doing things and not uh, maybe uh going out of my comfort zone yeah. uh i wanted to like move it move out and uh, i needed to like yeah, as i said take risk uh whatever will happen i could definitely go back uh in to my previous russian life yeah. uh if i didn't enjoy uh france I did it. I did enjoy it. So I stayed there and I had the opportunity mm. to stay, which is very cool. And yeah. there, are a lot of, uh, there is a lot of chance in what would happen. Uh, moving mm. to the United States is also uh, not a given part. Um, first, uh, there is a portion of chance uh, of opportunity as uh, actually French government uh, provide funding to companies to send uh, their employees abroad. And the company I worked for, uh, they actually decided, uh, they actually gave me this opportunity and everybody agreed on uh, sending me abroad. Yeah. And I was ready to go because I also knew how it worked. Like once I went through this uh, Moscow to France part, uh, like moving France to the United States is kind of, <laughs> easier so yeah, yeah, you yeah. know how it works and actually the integration was very smooth because you know how to find things in uh, around you you yeah. know how people work and if you're interested in something else than just your job you also mm. can actually uh find people who are also interested in something like sport or whatever yeah 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 so what where does that come from like actually you could have lived uh relatively comfortable life in Moscow, being a software developer, I imagine having a good, uh, a good career, providing something for, for you and a family potentially. So where does this innate passion or drive to, to take risks, to push yourself out of your comfort zone and to eventually find your purpose, where does that come from? Uh, I actually <laughs> like, this is one, another tough question because I, I have no idea. Like I all, uh, quite often discuss with my friends and my parents uh, why it happens like this. I think mm. it's some uh, part of personality. So uh, as uh, like a high schooler, you quite uh, open to different things, and you either stick to something or like. Uh, family oriented thing yeah. or you can be a very uh, job oriented guy so uh, i have a friends a family who actually like they're family oriented so the most important piece would be for them is to build a family and friendship around them so they need mm -hmm. a kind of social environment but uh i for some reason i landed into very uh, professional oriented environment and I did want it to deliver. So uh, I knew that I can improve myself to deliver better. And uh, this was like a rolling snowball. I tried yeah. to like get better and better by improving around me and uh, making an influence and an impact 
in what I'm doing and uh, make like difference by doing better what I I'm good at doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like a, just a natural thing. Like every every step it seems and every step you made wasn't a big one, but yeah. it was like the natural next step almost. But then five years down the line, when you're in America having two diplomas and to think about doing a PhD in France, you're going crikey. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we've actually achieved a lot. Um, but that, that's, and that's sort of where we've got to now. And that puts you into hearing me in 2017, 2016, I think, or whenever it exact year was to do your, your PhD with them, right? Um, yeah. What's been the journey for you inside, inside of hearing me? Uh, so actually, um, like I knew founders of Hermy uh, from my early career, uh, okay. and uh, it was a kind of deal. I wanted to do my PhD, and I also had all this luggage of a software engineer uh, I, that I could provide. So mm. once again, is uh, it's kind of double life. So I wanted <laughs> to do my, I wanted to get my degree. Uh, that was one of my purposes uh, because I wanted to discover this uh, PhD research academia life uh, that I didn't knew uh, before. And mm -hmm. I also wanted to uh, make use of my skills to help building the company. And uh, having only three people in the company is, uh, is tricky. So mm -hmm. you have plenty to think of Think of things to do. Uh, you need to uh, deliver quickly. Uh, yeah. We actually um, went very, very fast in uh, what we tried to do. So our purpose at the very beginning is to provide a medical device. Yeah. Medical device, it does mean a lot of software development uh, and uh, a lot of quality in your uh, product. A lot of uh attention in what you're doing and how you do it and we have only like at the time we had only three people uh year after we started to have four uh five six but uh at the early stages we had very few people working on this and we needed to go fast mm. so uh my job at the early stages was to build a prototype that could be presented to uh key opinion leaders or stakeholders that would be excited about what we could achieve. Uh, and in the same time, we uh, wanted to get production ready. So we uh, needed people who would help us to uh, bring this piece of uh, prototype of the proof of concept. Or we, did, we even achieved a, an MVP, so minimum available product uh, that was ready but uh, we needed people to uh, make it um, ready for the clinical environment. Yeah. So at this point, we started to hire. Uh, Alexander joined us uh, as a CTO uh, to continue building and industrializing this product. Mm. Uh, and actually, in a year and a half, we already submitted our, uh, like, I would say technical file for the uh, certification of medical device, wow. uh, which is real quick. Quick, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and in the same time, I tried to do my PhD job uh, during maybe weekends, uh, <laughs> evenings, and whenever I would try to do it. And from my 
point, I tried to uh, make my research always production ready. So yeah. instead of like working on a research topic for three years uh, perspective, I decided that I would try to create something new, mm. put it into the product. And at this point, if it fits any research publication, communication conference, let's do it. So uh, there is a, lit a very little gap between what I did for the product and mm. what I would do for the uh, for the conference, and yeah. I like I had a chance of doing plenty of them. And before all these COVID things, I did travel like a lot. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that was cool. That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for outlining. It, I guess. Um, where where are you now then? Like, take the picture of where Hiromi now. You said we're up to twenty heads. Um, yeah. What's what's the landscape like? Uh, so today we have, uh, I think we have more than 20 or maybe 21, 22. So we, mm -hmm. uh, we still hurry. Yeah. So, and we have, uh, plenty of people doing plenty of different things. So, uh, like, as I said, at the early stages, we had only three people trying to do everything today. Uh, we have, uh, people assigned to, uh, handle the product. So uh, people who will uh, take the software, go to and see clinicians, uh, install the product, present the product, uh, train the clinicians to use it, and uh, get all the uh, feedbacks uh, to improve the product. Uh, since we do have all these feedbacks, we need software developers uh, to uh, make it better. And we need researchers who will uh, try to innovate and find the new techniques, new solutions. Uh, so we have a research and development team uh, with about 10 or 11 people now. And yeah. uh, we probably will have a few people more in uh, other areas. So as I said, yeah. we, we have people, uh, like we're working in uh, breast cancer today. Uh, we also have other topics. Um, yeah. Breast cancer is essentially X-ray imaging, but there are also topics as ultrasound or MRI. And uh, when talking about MRI, we can uh, transition to other type of cancers, for yeah. instance, prostate prostate cancer. Mm. Uh, and we need researchers to work on this, and we need people who will uh, make it production ready as well. So we yeah. need uh, software engineers as well. Oh, that's awesome. So there's definitely a, a future direction uh, for hearing me as well. And you mentioned hiring now. I know we're, we're working together on a few bits. Um, so if you do want to get in touch with us regarding, <laughs> you know, positions, we're more than happy to, to talk to you about that. Um, if you're listening and interested in hearing me's story. Um, I guess where, where are you along the product lifecycle and how much you can share? Um, so are you in a lot of are you in clinical trials right now or how, how many iterations or generations of the products are you having where are you up to on your 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 development plan okay so we uh we have uh, maybe a sixth version right now uh, running uh, uh so this is tricky uh since uh we're not uh able to release uh, like every week as any like regular software yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of uh, regular um, regulatory 
uh, activities uh, required to uh, before we actually uh, release anything. So we since we take we took a risk of doing it properly. So yeah. like we we required to do this. So yeah. we today is our sixth version that will uh, come out in about December. Yeah. Um, and uh, we are running few clinical uh, trials um, and we are doing a lot of in uh, retrospective design. So yeah. we uh, do have a lot of uh, partnership allowing us to run uh, data exploration using already collected data in yeah. uh, respecting all the regulatory part. And uh, we building a European scale uh, study so not only France-based, but uh, involving uh, Italy and Germany and Switzerland. Uh, okay. And that would be a prospective study, which is uh, more challenging than uh, like regular retrospective. Yeah, studies. yeah, yeah. Oh, awesome. Okay, cool. So I'd be excited to, to see the results of the retrospective clinical trials, especially that European-wide one. Mm. And that could be a real, real game changer for you and your development. And that's always really important to get the quantitative data and quality yeah, data sure. across to, to to get the buy-in from 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 um from from the health clinicians so they're happy to, to use it but in the in the before looking at, at what's next for both you and and Hiramy, if you look back both before joining Hiramy and actually uh whilst there what have been the biggest challenges that either you knew were going to come in your career and unexpected challenges perhaps in, in your career? Um, probably like the, uh, maybe the biggest challenge uh, was around my, uh, like when I ended my uh, master degree. So uh, it was very uncertain where I would land. So uh, Russia not being Europe, you cannot just stay as, yeah. as you want. So yeah. here, uh, like I spent already two years in the country. So mm. I want, I didn't know that I didn't want to go back and I needed to find a way to get a job and uh, continue to work in the environment I would like. And like, you have no idea how to do it. And once again, I had a chance of uh, like working, uh, by working a lot, you actually achieve a lot, which is cool. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy, um, right? It's mental when that happens. <laughs> so this is this is a good lesson because yeah. um, uh, I straight away being intern in a company, I uh, showed my ability to provide a lot, and uh, yeah. a company was ready to employ me, uh, which is cool because like I was valuable, and uh, they were interested in having valuable people. Yeah. Uh, but that was not given. So uh, I had all my uh, friends from uh, Ecole Centrale in Nantes. They mm. all had a very smooth path of how they would go yeah. after their uh, engineering school. Like I had no idea where to go. Uh, but it happened really nice, mm. uh, which is cool. Um, so... I knew that would happen then I left uh, yeah. Russia, but I like I had to face it to get it through. Mm. Yeah. And I know, I know that actually just going into that, I know 
we talked about you taking risks and traveling a lot and, and, and stuff, but you've been very proactive in, in seeking and taking advantage of collaborations and support um, to enable you to have this amazing story. So just wanted to just sort of touch upon maybe you highlighting the importance of those and making more people aware of what can be achieved when you're taking advantage of what's on offer to you. Yeah, definitely. So um, if I talk about uh, my scholarship, uh, the opportunity of going uh, abroad was kind of offered by the university. So there are a lot of okay. partnerships. And I know in Europe, uh, like when I was in Ukraine Central uh, doing my uh, engineering degree, like everybody had an opportunity to go abroad. And yeah. uh, there are a lot of hosting universities. There is Erasmus, which is like the easiest things to do. Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of double degree. There are a lot of networks of uh, universities and uh, colleges who are able to host students. Yeah. Uh, you just need to apply. And yeah. uh, like you need to have good grades, good enough <laughs> yeah, to yeah, be yeah, selected. Yeah. Uh, for, for, my, for my case, it was easy. We had a... Uh, uh, we had about thousand people, uh, and only five sub applied. I so it nobody was interested. Uh, in France, it's, quite, it's a little bit different, but it's still uh, not everybody is interested to yeah. get benefit from these opportunities. Yeah. Uh, but people like to people need to take chance and try to do this uh, yeah. because you, at in the worst case scenario, you will just spend two years. And it's kind of nothing. So uh, yeah. you, if you do not enjoy it and you do want to go back to in where you have been, the only thing you will be the experiences you learned that this thing like spending, I don't know, uh, two years in any country is not for you. You would like to spend uh, your lifetime where you belong to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's also valuable experiences. So you, you never know like yeah. where, what you would learn. Yeah. No, I, I, that's very true. And I, I just think about sort of my personal experience of um, obviously being in the UK, we don't have access to the Erasmus scheme anymore because of something happened a couple of years ago with a Brexit <laughs> vote, which is great. <laughs> but um, by the people at my university who did, do, did a year abroad, um, you know, they, they have to have a certain grades to do it. Um, and I look at them and what they've achieved now, three or four years after university, and, and they are more often than not the ones who have, have achieved more in those three or four years than people who mm. didn't um, go on the, the year abroad or year in industries, perhaps. And I think it just, just goes to the point of taking risks and, and just pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone. And I know that, that there's probably more to be highlighted in this area and I know that hearing me do a good job because of your own personal experience right um so yeah what does hearing me do to help help people who, who would like to be in this situation mm, we like we uh, having a lot of chance at hearing me I think and we uh like we also benefit from different fundings and uh we are mm. helped by people who are willing to help us yeah. I, I would say um my PhD supervisor uh, she was really into helping me and uh, diving into the, all this project uh, mm. and assisting me. Uh, even I had all these 
software engineer workload in addition to my PhD. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and now here me, we're trying to uh, give it back. So we, mm. uh, like first we employ a lot. So as I said, we, like we grew uh, almost exponentially. Uh, and uh, besides that, we're also trying to get involved in all these uh, scholarship programs. Uh, we have PhDs in, in company. So yeah. we're trying to contribute to the uh, like education part. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and more specifically, we have a lot of uh, scholarship projects uh, during the uh, scholar year. Uh, for instance, uh, we have two universities. Uh, where students are working for, I don't know, three, four months on something that we uh, suggest to do. Uh, this is an additional workload for us, uh, but in the same time, we are able to explore something that is interesting yeah. from the uh, industry perspective, but it's also interesting for the uh, educational perspective. So. Uh, Everybody is winning, and uh, yeah. I believe students are interested in working in this type of projects because they can see the uh, end goal and yeah. the purpose of the project it's proposed. For sure, I think just coming with a headhunter's point of view on that point, it's great when companies do that because it's enabling a long-term talent pool for you to yeah. access. If they were to come and join you, that's great. But if they were to just to stay in the industry, if they were to relocate or something like that, just having that opportunity to, for them to find their potential purpose, like you did all those years ago, um, in the work that you do give them and go, wow, medical imaging is such an amazing area to be, to be part of. That's fantastic. I think hopefully more people can do that. I know people, people do, but hopefully more will realise the benefits, not just for themselves, but the industry as a whole. Um, but looking more to the future, what, what's, your, what's your next sort of step, uh, Mikhail? What, what, what are you looking at now? Uh, I, I believe, uh, like, uh, at the, I would say, uh, short term, uh, I would see uh, all this exciting opportunity of being a CSO of the growing company. So there, uh, I spend a lot of time uh, doing my own research and yeah. staying in my like research bubble, trying to uh, deliver the solution to the industry. Uh, now we have uh, seven people doing research and uh, we need to uh, make it uh, production ready in a very efficient way. Uh, mm. So that uh, gives a lot of exciting opportunities as uh, first, growing as personality and yeah. uh, make other people grow as well because uh, we would like to yeah. uh, be as productive and efficient as possible as a team uh, and this is some of the experience I don't have uh, straight away so I need to get this experience and need mm -hmm. to grow these skills which is yeah. super cool so and uh, I would I would say that would take um, maybe one or two years to yeah. uh, get acquired uh, and then uh, we'll see in two years where I go. Yeah, no, for sure. It'll be interesting. I know that you were, as you said before, you were very active on the, the conferences and such thing before COVID. So have you got any, any lined up that we can, we can flag to people uh, where you'll be? <laughs> uh, I would say, like, uh, for people who are interested in the medical imaging, there is a middle conference, which is great. 
Like mm-hmm. uh, it, they're running uh, since uh, 2018. I actually get involved in uh, all editions except the first one. Uh, like yeah. I wasn't ready at the time. Yeah. Uh, and actually uh, they focus on deep learning specifically. Yeah. And it's smaller community, but then you go there, you know what you get. So you yeah. have plenty of medical imaging in deep learning. Uh, there, there's lot, another community called Nikai, which is also nice. It is bigger. Is, and, that, uh, is, that, is that all about you or is that, <laughs> that sounds like your name? Uh, <laughs> almost. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's different, but they actually uh, also allow to um, gather together all the people interested in medical imaging and beyond uh, deep learning. Yeah, uh, yeah. And once you get there, you know how small the community is. You actually uh, meet the same people at every conference. I actually, uh, in 2019, I was in Italy, I was in UK, I was in China, and at every time I met kind of the same people there. <laughs> Love it. Oh, that's great. And what we'll do is we'll put some links to those. Um, okay, cool. on on the on the advertising for this, so people can can uh, go in that direction um, for it. But um, time's pretty much up. Um, it's it's flown by, and thank you very much for your time, Ricardo. I really really appreciate it and sharing your story um, yeah, more than anything. And hopefully, it's inspired a few people to take some risks. Uh, yeah, sure, cool. Take some opportunities that are there, <laughs> perhaps, and, and really push their careers forward. Right. Yeah, sure. Thank you very much. And thank you for all your time. And I I hope people would be uh, excited about what they can do and uh, they will try to spread their excitement elsewhere and uh, like trying to uh, get things done. And by getting things done, we achieve a lot. For sure. Awesome. Thank you very much for your time, Mikhail. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Nick. Thank you so much for listening to that episode of LifeSite AI, the podcast series. If you would like to listen to any of the other series or episodes in this series too, then please go back and listen to them on either Spotify, Apple, or your favorite podcast hosting service. Alternatively, you can find out more and listen and watch to every episode on cyproglobal.com. Thank you and see you next time.